Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. On a day where the farewells just keep coming, Cade Simpson and Tom Bell Chambers are going to hang up the boots. It's been another busy day. Hello and welcome. Great to have your company on Time On. Dane Zorko to join me later on this hour. The Brisbane Lions are in outstanding form. Yes, they're playing a lot of games in Queensland, but you've still got to win them. And they are winning a lot of them and shaping to be one of the teams to beat in 2020. He'll join me a little bit later on. We'll talk Olympics later as well. We'll cross over to England and talk Australia versus England in that series. And what are we making of the pies after last night? That's how we're going to start the show. It's time on. minutes after six o'clock. It is Tuesday, the 15th of September. My name's Jack Heverin. It's a great day to be alive. Looking forward to being with you. We've got time on this hour and then we roll back the sporting capital. It feels like forever since we've been able to say that from seven till nine this evening as well. And a lot of Olympics, a lot of other sports to talk about in the next hour as well. You can join me across the hour. one 736 736 on the phone or 0433981116 on the text. Bit of housekeeping to take care of, but I want to pose the question to you. What are we making of the Pies after last night? Yes, they beat the Suns. I know that it's not the strongest opponents that they'll get this year, but it was the inclusion of Dugowie and it was the inclusion of Trelaw last night. Where have you got them in the scheme of things? one 736 736 on the phone, 0433-981116 on the text. I'll take your calls very, very shortly. But I did mention that it's, well, it might be classed as Farewell Tuesday or Retirement Tuesday. Lawrence has got it on the screen as Retirement Tuesday. Two really, really, really important names for their respective clubs announced their retirements today. And we start with Cade Simpson, 342 games over 18 years. He'd been discussed a lot in the last month as to, to whether he'd go on or whether this would be his last year in 2020. It is now, in fact, his last year, and that was confirmed today. Thought Terry Wallace today with Dwayne spoke very, very well about the career of Cade Simpson. Sensational player he he was for the Blues and particularly because it was in a time that was a really, really difficult period for the uh, for the Carlton Football Club. And you know, I, I suppose having been at Richmond with uh, and seeing how the fans loved Matthew Richardson, uh, and that was during a, a tough time for uh, for the Tigers. There's not much to hang on to when you're, you know, a supporter of a club and you're going through those sort of periods in your uh, in your club's um, you know, time in the game. And it is, you know, the fans hang on to those players that they just love so much. And you know, Cade was one of those for uh, for Carlton, undoubtedly, and got the absolute best out of himself, no matter which position he played. He was more the wingman 
in the early part of his career and went to half-back you know, and handled that really admirably later in his career. So, uh, yeah, yeah, look, he's done a fine job. And when you look at his rankings and where he sort of stands amongst you know, the amount of games he's played at, Carlton, uh, very, very deserving that he gets a, a fitting uh, end to his career. I quite often bang on about these sorts of players, but they're players that you can go into a game knowing what you're going to get. You might get a really, really good game, and he, he might give you a 9 out of 10 game. But more often than not, Cade Simpson gave Carlton a 6.5-7 minimum out of 10. There were some belters in there. My point here is very rarely did he play a bad one. And I, I think he's been an outstanding player for that club. He will go down in history as one of their absolute greats. Unfortunately, for a lot of that time in his career, uh, not playing in many wins or not many winning teams because of a, a number of different events. But uh, what a fabulous player he's been for the Blues. As has Tom Bell Chambers. He's been a really, really good servant of Essendon. Today announced his retirement. 136 games over 13 years. He spoke with Bob and Andy earlier today. To be honest, mate, I'm in okay faith. Like my, it's probably been that wear and tear of, you know, 12, 13 years playing in the ruck and, and that position does take its toll after a while. So, um, you know, I've had the, my, probably the major injury, mate, for me was in 2014, I had an ankle reconstruction and um, kind of blew out my ankle and dislocated my ankle. So from there, it's kind of been trying to get that back to a, um, a reasonable level where I get out and help the team. And I've kind of done that in part and then, the last couple of years, mate, it's um, it's been both knees. So they've kind of started to uh, started to flare up a bit on me, and I've got a couple of uh, degenerative kind of joints in there, and it's a little bit of bone on bone happening. So it's um, it's it's, it's unfortunate, mate. Like I'd still love to be able to go out there and help the team, and um, but it's kind of just got to the point now where you know this game demands so much of you physically and. Um, you know, it was time for me to put my hand up and say, look, as much as I'd love to, my body's kind of just not quite up to it anymore, unfortunately. It was a really, really good chat. It's available in full at scn.com.au and, of course, on the Bob and Andy podcast as well. You can hear there that he's got a number of injuries and the body's starting to fail. Uh, it's Sam Draper's position now too, and I think Tom would be well aware of that, that the future for the ruck position at Essendon revolves around Sam Draper, and it's now his to grab. So congratulations to both Kate Simpson and Tom Bell Chambers uh, on fantastic careers at their respective clubs. Uh, to other news, Elijah Taylor from the Sydney Swans, well, his career, albeit a few games in, hangs in the balance tonight. He's been stood down immediately and has been charged uh, with aggravated assault and will appear in court in Perth later this month. So Sydney have issued a statement today. The AFL have backed that up with a statement as well. And Elijah Taylor for now has been stood down and we let the justice system play out there and take care of that business. To trade news, Luke Bruce is on the whiteboard at Geelong. That was said this morning by our very own Sam Edmund on Breakfast with Jordan Lewis. Keep your eyes on that one. Essendon uh, reported today to be in pursuit of Jordan Degoe. Keep your eyes on that one too. And news just coming through in the last 15 minutes or so. Isaac Quainer has been named as the rising star for round 17. Thought he was very good last night. And I reckon it's another one of those where it's more about the body of work as opposed to one individual game. If it was one individual game, you'd be hard to go past Lachlan Scholl from Adelaide. I thought he was superb for the Crows on Sunday. But Quain has had a number of good games, and I'm sure with just one round to go that the, the nominating panel were pretty keen 
to get him in and get him a nomination before the end of the season. So on that note, let's have a chat about the Pies. one 736 736 on the phone. On the text, 0433-981116. Where have you got them now? And the reason I say now is because I thought it was noticeable, the impact that Jordan Dugowie had, and that's pretty obvious. A best-on-ground performance, kicked four goals, was tackling inside 50, such an enormous presence. And I wonder whether that's the forward set up for Collingwood for the rest of the year. Almost the old school Pagans paddock. Get Mason Cox up the ground. Brody Majacek is probably at his best when he's a, a high searching centre half forward anyway. Do they give Jordan to go either 50? And is that the way that Collingwood are going to approach finals? He's a hard man to stop. Sam Collins learnt that last night. Also thought Adam Trelaw's inclusion, because Dugowie was so good, I reckon Adam Trelaw's inclusion in that team last night flew under the radar. It shouldn't. He was in votes. He was in the Herald Sun votes. He was in Nick Del Santo's votes last night on AFL Nation as well. 26 disposals in an era where ball-winning numbers are down. And because of the shorter quarters and more rotations, et cetera, et cetera, players are winning less of the footy. Adam Trelaw is still finding the footy with ease and the same sorts of numbers that he's been averaging year in, year out. Yes, there's conversations about his kicking, and yes, he's not the most perfect lace-out kick playing footy this year. But gee, he can win the he can win the ball. Contested, outside, he's got the speed and the dash through the middle. I thought he made a major difference to Collingwood last night. So with those two in mind, with Mason Cox finding a bit of form, let's not get too excited. I know Mason likes to get a bit excited, but let's let's not get too carried away. He was pretty good, but he's finding a little bit of form. Is it all starting to make a bit of sense for the Pies now? They've won five of their last seven. They won't finish top four, but this is what I want to ask you. We've all watched a lot of footy this year, so um, we're all seeing enough of it to know who are the contenders and who probably aren't. Where do you have Collingwood? Are they a team that can come from the bottom half of the eight and be there deep in September? Uh, well, it'll be October, deep in October. One three hundred seven three six seven three six on the phone. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the text. The reason that I say that, uh, because watching them last night, and I just wanted to see a couple of things that calling the game I might have missed. So I went back and watched the, the first half uh, again today. Um, they they played a, a manner of footy with their pressure and their attack that will be the sort of footy that's expected in finals, and it will be the sort of footy that you'll need to play in finals. It won't be clean. Um, it won't be 14 goals beats 12 most of the time. They're going to be scraps. They're going to be absolute fights. And the way that Collingwood pressured the ball carrier last night was more like the sort of pressure that you're going to see in finals. If there's a team from the bottom half of the eight that can do some damage, in my mind, it's Collingwood. I would be nervy about them. We haven't seen much of their best footy this year, but I think they're more capable of beating the top four teams than West Coast. And West Coast will get a final week one, but none after that. They're more capable than St Kilda, Melbourne, and the Giants and the Bulldogs who are all clinging to try and make it. The Pies are in there. They would be the ones, I reckon, if you're a supporter of Port Adelaide and you'll get a very good look at them on Monday, Brisbane, Geelong or Richmond, they're the ones that I would be keeping the closest eye on. And I wouldn't rule them out just yet. I'm not saying that they can win the whole thing, but I'm saying that they could easily be in the final four. And I'm saying if they got to the final four, they're going to be a very, very hard team to get rid of. I saw enough last night that makes me think they're starting to string together something that resembles 
their best footy. Agree or disagree? one 736 736 on the phone. 0433-981116 on the text. Are they a threat, Collingwood? Or are they just a team in the bottom half? And is it the top four? And then is, then is there a pretty considerable gap after that? Let's have a listen to Nathan Buckley, who spoke after the game about Jordan Ngoi. Yeah, Jordy, you know, I've sort of I've said all along around sort of personnel is not going to be the difference, you know, whether we play a system and, um, yeah, we're not waiting for the cavalry to come back. But, you know, when you see Jordy do his thing, you understand how much we've missed. Um, and it's good to be able to see that evidence on the football field. If forward line looked dangerous for the first time, well, probably since Jordan Degoe played against Geelong last night, I thought. Um, they have tried all different combinations. They had Brody Majacek playing as a deep forward at times in, in games that Degoe hasn't played. They've had Cox, obviously. They've tried Lynch. They've tried other small forwards and gone really, really small in the forward line. That was the most threatening it looked last night. And even just on Jordan Degoe, I spoke about Sam Collins, and he learnt the hard way last night how difficult a matchup to go he is. Sam Collins has been beating a lot of people this year. His one-on-one record is very, very good. Last night, not so much. They're just building at the right time. I reckon keep a very, very close eye on Collingwood. Off the text, 0433-981116. Luke from Mernda says, I'm a Tigers fan, and I do not want to play them. Agree or disagree? Did you see enough from Collingwood not just tonight, in the last uh, last night, but in the last few weeks to make you think that they're a threat or am I completely reading this wrong? And if I am, tell me why I'm reading it wrong. Damien's in Hatfield. G'day, Damien. Hey, mate. How are you? Good. Uh, I totally disagree with what you're saying, mate. And I'm a Collingwood supporter. Are you? Okay. Yeah, mate. And um, if you watch their games and, like, really watch their games, they hack, they hack the ball into the forward line. And the thing that I found amusing when I heard Bucks talking was that they're playing to a structure. Now, if you, if you watch Collingwood play, what is their structure? Well, their structure last their structure last night, Damien. I, I don't know. You tell me what you think. I thought their structure was to run off half back, win their individual duels in the back half, and thought your key defenders were fantastic. But I thought they took a lot more of the game on from the back half of the ground last night. Did you see that? Yeah. The- Look, it's the opposition they're playing as well. There wasn't much resistance. And the, the, way, the thing that Collingwood falls down with is they, they can't score goals. That's where their structure falls down. Yeah, and that's going to be... And this will be where it gets interesting with Collingwood. So they kicked 10 goals last night, Damien. Appreciate your call. They kicked enough last night to win the game. 10-8 beats 6-10. They're not going to – that's not going to change. And that I absolutely agree with you on. That's not going to change. Collingwood all of a sudden aren't going to kick 16, 17 goals in a final and blow a team off the park. But what they might be able to do is while they might kick 10, they might be able to keep the opposition to eight. And last time I checked, if you do that, you win the game and you win the final. So I reckon the defensive end is crucial for the Pies and they're – Pressure around the ball, which we saw a fair bit of last night as well. It's fascinating to watch this off the text. 0433981116. A lot of different opinions on this one. Dean says if Collingwood get everyone together, they can and will beat any of the teams inside the eight. 
Uh, this one as well. You are talking crap. The Bulldogs are a more dangerous team. Are they really, though? Are the Bulldogs a dangerous team or are the Bulldogs a tease? They're not there yet. They've got to beat Fremantle on the weekend. The Bulldogs' best footy's been pretty good, but my goodness, there's been a gap between their best and their worst this year, the Dogs. Jeremy from WA says, if the Pies finish eighth and lose, then they will be in Perth week one. And I agree. Any team that's got to go to Perth and play the West Coast Eagles are going to find it very difficult. However, if they beat Port Adelaide on Monday night, then they won't have to go to Perth in the first place. Daniel from Ipswich says, I just watched Collingwood smashing Port last year. They've also only played lower sides recently. We pushed Brisbane. I think we can repeat 2018 if it all comes together for us. So some positivity from some Collingwood support, and not just Collingwood supporters, and others. This one as well. The Pies have potential to do well in finals, but hold up a little. The Suns are cooked for the year. The Suns were coming off a five-day break, but let's not forget the Suns led at quarter time and were a goal down at halftime. Even at, at three-quarter time, they were only a couple of goals down. They fell away late, and that was a big problem for the Suns. And they're another conversation for another day. But um, some of the techs saying, oh, they had no opposition, I don't agree. And I called the game last night. They were under the pump early on, Collingwood. They were just able, after quarter time, through defensive pressure, to get the game on their terms. Uh, this one as well. Jesus, Jack, what game were you watching? So there's one that's not convinced uh, in the pies. The infatuation with Collingwood is, I think that's supposed to say, bemusing. There will be seven other finalists. Let's talk about them. Collingwood are no good. Okay, so the Pies are no good according to that person as well. Slim says, Mason Cox is not our best player, but he might just be our most important. Helps our structure and takes the best defender away. Dugowie, uh, that's from Slim in Shepparton. And this one as well. I'm a Port diehard next Monday versus uh, Collingwood will be, will be better than a grand final. Port must hurt the pies now. Well, depending on the ladder predictor and the way that it all shapes out, and there's a thousand different combinations that you can have, but I spent a good 25, 30 minutes on this today. There is a chance still that depending on results... Collingwood and Port Adelaide could play in round 18 on Monday, which they will. You'll hear that game on SEN. And then they could cross over again in week two of the finals. That would make it very, very interesting. More of your calls, more of your texts. 0433 98 11 16. I reckon it's just starting to swing Collingwood's way off the text. I reckon 60% think that they're a threat in, in the finals. And I reckon 40% are saying that I've got rocks in my head. Either way. Fascinating debate. Keep these calls coming. Keep these texts coming. Dane Zorko from the Brisbane Lions to join us next as well. Welcome back to Time On on SEN. Dane Zorko playing some very, very nice football and leading from the front for the Brisbane Lions who are shaping beautifully as we start to head toward the finals with one game to go. He's been good enough to join us as always here on SEN. Dane, welcome back. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Thank hey, you. Nice to have you. Uh, six in a row now. It's a good time to be playing good footy. Is that how many it is? Oh, didn't it? <laughs> had no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it is. It's really nice. We um, obviously had a really difficult month. Uh, four games in 14 days again, and we were able to, you know, get those wins. And although we weren't playing our best football, um, it was still great to get the reward. And, you know, the past two against the Suns and then the Swans, I think we've started to get back to... Um, what we were able to do last year, which has been really encouraging. How hard was that period, the four games in the 14 days? There's been quite a few teams that have, have had to take their turn and 
go through it. We've never seen anything like this before. Now that you look back on it, how was it? Yeah, I think the, the first one was, wasn't actually too bad and um, quite enjoyed it. Um, and that's certainly something that we can look at in the future. But the second one was a little bit more difficult. Um, I think we only had a, a week break or nine-day break between the next frenzy, which yep. um, you know, which was fine. We got through the games and everything like that. But um, the casualty wards certainly rose <laughs> during that period, which um, is something that, um, yeah, certainly probably needs to be looked at. But it is a different season. Um, we totally understand that. And for us to be able to win as many games as we did through that period was, once again, really pleasing for the football club. How close do you think you are now? And you mentioned the last couple of wins, that they're more like it. How close do you think you are now to your best footy? Yeah, we're getting there. Um, we're getting some personnel back on deck as well, which is really, really encouraging. Um, you know, probably he's still going to be without Harris for a few more weeks, yeah. but... Um, you know, it's it is it's coming along really well. I think we needed um, a performance like we did against the Gold Coast just to, um, you know, reassure us. Um, and then, you know, when we were challenged against Sydney on Sunday night um, to kick six goals in nine minutes or whatever it was, um, mm. that was fantastic. And that's the sort of footy we want to play. So, um, yeah, lots of promising signs there. The win was able to, to help you lock in your position within the top two, which will also mean that you'll play a couple of finals at the Gabba. You've been there before and you, you've done that. You had finals at the Gabba last year. How much of a different difference is it and how much, I guess, is it a spur leading into finals to know that you're going to be able to play good footy in front of your home fans in really meaningful games? Yeah, really exciting. Uh, as you said, we were in this position last year um, and... I thought we handled it okay. There was plenty of learnings to come out of it. Although we didn't get the wins, we certainly learned a lot, which was really important. And um, we've got those exact same challenges again this year. And I feel like we're much better prepared. As you said, we're playing some um, good football without playing absolute best, but we're certainly building towards it. And um, You know, it's a challenge that our playing group's really excited about. The first 20 minutes of finals, I mean, I know there's a game to go, so we're not jumping too far ahead, but finals is on the horizon. Was that a learning last year of just how intense the pressure is early in a finals game? Yeah, definitely. And um, well, I thought we handled it actually quite well. Yeah. I think Richmond kicked the first goal and then I think we had the next 10 scoring shots. Uh, unfortunately, they kicked four goals, six. And mm-hmm. when they got their run of momentum, they kicked six goals, one or something. So um, it's really important. And that's something that we've really learned is that you, when you get momentum and you get moments in big games, you need to take them. Um, so that's something we've learnt and hopefully we can rectify this time around. The teams always have to evolve because footy changes every year and, and this year, as you mentioned, has been the, the craziest of the lot. Where, where has the Lions improvement come from this year? Where, where do you think that you're a better team this year to where you were last year? It's uh, a good question. I think defensively we've probably tightened up a lot. Um, and I think most teams can probably say that due to the fact that quarters are a lot shorter and games are a lot shorter. But I do think our... Um, defensive systems held up quite well and um, we've always, we always we know we're able to score, we've been able to score in the past and um, you know we've obviously got exciting players that bring that um, part to our game but I think defensively and probably around the contest has been really pleasing for um, our development and something we've, we've done a lot of work on Dane Zorko from the Lions joining us tonight here on Time On. Uh, go to that back half of the ground and Harris Andrews out for another couple of weeks. Jack Payne's come in and has played some really, really important individual roles since he's been in the team. Yeah, he has. He's um, didn't, I mean, it probably uh, shocks everyone on the outside, but certainly didn't shock us internally. Yeah. Um, he's, 
he's been doing that for a couple of years now. He missed his first year with um, stress fractures in his foot, but um, you know, last year his form was fantastic without getting an opportunity uh, in the reserves before he got the go um, against Richmond. He was really, really good. So it's um, yeah, no surprise to us that he's been coming, came in and, and done a job for us. And um, you know, he's still got a, a couple of big weeks to go and a couple of big jobs. And I guess that's part of the template, and, and Richmond are an obvious one, but Geelong to a point too, and, and that's where you guys want to be as a footy club as well, that if you lose a soldier, you've got to bring another one in and, and they have to play the role. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a um, one-out, one-in mentality. Yeah. And, um, and you know, the good teams have done it for a lot of years now. As you said, Richmond throughout the year have had a lot of key personnel miss and their guys that have come in have come in and played a role to an absolute tee and they've been able to get the job done and that's somewhere we want to get to as a football club and we feel like we're getting there um, now and I think Jack Payne's a good example of that. Uh, Eric Hipwood's so exciting to watch and he's got his own highlight reel and, and we know what he's capable of but I've always thought that Eric Hipwood is only going to be as good as what Dan McStay can, can do in terms of offering support, taking the second best defender and keeping that defender accountable as well. You'd be hoping to see more of the performance that you saw against the Swans. He was in complete control in that game. Yeah, he was really fantastic. And I think that'll do his confidence the world a good. Um, he clunked marks in the wet, which, you know, on a night that was extremely wet, must give him a lot of confidence. So that's really, really pleasing for him. And, um, I think him and uh, Eric have worked really well as a combination this year. And although at times they probably haven't finished off their work and they drop a couple of marks here and there, what they do for bringing our small forwards into the game is um, really important. And what they bring as big men is they, they tackle and they, they're, they're quite quick as well. So they create the pressure for the opposition, um, you know, which we're really, really pleased with that they bring to their game every week. So they're, um, they're playing really good football together. Um, Eric's had a really, really, really good month and, um, I know Dan's starting to hit, hit hit form, which is really pleasing for me. Yeah, he certainly is. How's Stefan Martin going, Dane? Is he getting closer? He is. He's very close. Um, I'm not sure what the plan with him will be going forward. Um, you'd probably think that he's certainly in our best 22. So yeah. how he gets back in is, um, you know, whether he plays reserves or, or what may be. Um, not quite sure. We haven't got that far into the week, but... Um, he is tracking nicely, and he gave me the big thumbs up today. So <laughs> hopefully that's a good hopefully that's a good sign of um, you know he's not far away. He'd like to think so. What's it like being living and playing in Queensland this year? You, you're a product of the, of the Queensland system, and you've seen the the best and the worst, I guess, of, of footy in Queensland. You played in some really really team, some teams at the start that struggled a bit, and now you're in a fantastic team. But what's it been like this year having all of the competition playing out of Queensland? What's it done for footy in the north? Yeah, a, a, a lot. And I think, you know, over the next month, it's only going to do more. And uh, South East Queensland, even Northern Queensland, you know, I think it's been great. The AFL has been able to take games up to Cairns and, you know, clubs get to see the Northern yep. Queensland, which, you know, not many of them probably would ever see. So it's done a lot. Um, you can certainly feel the buzz around town and um, the excitement certainly there. So what it's done, I think, for South East Queensland football is going to be enormous um, and Queensland football in general, which, you know, I'm, I'm glad the AFL, I'm glad Queensland's been able to, you know, mm. help get the season um, going and concluded. I think that's fantastic from the Queensland government and um, still got a month and a bit to go, so hopefully we can make it even better. Just before I let you go, um, is Fags okay? He just seems like he's been a bit prickly in the last couple of weeks. 
<laughs> Everyone's sort of known him as the, you know, your, your cool pop, I guess, is the one that's pretty calm and collected, but he's looked a bit grumpy in the last couple of weeks. Oh, he's a very passionate man, and I think that's why we love him so much. And, um, you know, he rides every bump just like we do. So uh, at times he's very good at hiding it. Others he's not so good at hiding it. But he just wants us to, to win and obviously um, play to our absolute best of our abilities. And, um, you know, he's so supportive in that way. And, you know, emotions flow over at times, but that's exactly why we love him and we love yeah. playing for him. So, um yeah, he'll be he'll be a bit more calmer, I reckon, going forward. He's um, <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute ripper. He sure is, and he's done an outstanding job. You all have. You've got a big six weeks to come, Dane. Thanks for your time tonight. Always great to catch up, and good luck for what is going to build to be a fantastic back half of 2020. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dane Zorko, the captain of the Brisbane Lions, joining us on time on. He's an absolute ripper. He's playing really good footy, and the Lions themselves. They're just finding a way. They had a little period there, as as Dane mentioned, with the four games in 14 days where they just had to find a way to win. Sometimes with the year that it's been, it's it's just about winning as opposed to the way it looks. Uh, The last couple of weeks, it started to look much more polished. It started to look much more aggressive and uh, it started to look a lot more freer with the way they're playing their footy. So they are building in a big, big way towards finals. They've got Carlton on Saturday night at the Gabba in their final game of the regular season, and they could very well finish top by the end of it. More of your calls, more of your texts on the other side of this. So for double three ninety eight eleven sixteen, we're talking about the pies off the top of the show tonight. If you've got some thoughts on that, we'd love to hear from you. And Essendon and Carlton fans, if you want to spew your love for Kate Simpson and Tommy Bell Chambers, you're more than welcome to do that as well. It's time on on SEN. Time on with Jack Everin. There's lots of different factors. There's uh, your depth in each position and uh, there's their performance. At the end of the day, you've got to be able to perform and, and make either yourself and the team better and the others around you better. And uh, right now, Eddie's in our best 22. And uh, if we were to pick our round one side, we still feel he's in that at the moment. But whether he goes on or not, um, we'll, uh, we'll weigh that up. Welcome back to Time On. That's David Teague talking last night on AFL 360. We thank Fox Footy for making that audio available about the future of Eddie Betts. And today in Melbourne's Herald Sun, the headline reads, I want Ed's up on deal. I'll see what they did there. John Ralph writing that Eddie Betts is keen to have his future decided before this weekend. I, I may be looking at this really simply. Why wouldn't Eddie Betts get a, a contract with Carlton next year? He's kicked 13 goals from 14 games. Um, and within that, there's the four against the Western Bulldogs that he kicked in round six where he was superb. They won that game. Uh, I thought his performance um, against Collingwood wasn't bad. I thought Geelong earlier in the year he played a, a good role. Eddie's not a 50 or 60 goal a year forward now. I think we accept that. And I think anyone who, who believed that Eddie Betts was going to go back to Carlton and kick 50 or 60 goals in a season, probably read that wrong. Those days are gone, unfortunately, for Eddie, and and for a lot of small forwards. And I know Papley and Butler got out of the gates really, really quickly, but it's getting harder and harder. He kicked 37 goals last year for Adelaide and 29 the year before in 2018, albeit from 18 games. It was his grand final year of 2017 where he kicked 55 and 75 before that, 63 before that, 51 before that. So the numbers stack up. But when it comes to Eddie Betts and whether he's in this Carlton team next year, and tell me what you think, 0433981116 on the text, or you can give me a call, of course, at any stage, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 
there's a spot for Eddie Betts in Carlton's teams next year. And the reason that I say that is, who's he keeping out right now? If there was a young, promising small forward not getting a game because Eddie Betts was in, then you'd have have to start to take a, a serious think about it and have to start to wonder whether it's in the club's best interest going forward to have Eddie there. But he's not keeping anyone out. Jack Martin's a different player and, and has been injured, and, and Eddie and Jack have played in the same team this year. I can't think of too many other small forwards for the Blues that wouldn't be getting a game as a result of Eddie Betts. Jack Silvani's a different player and he's been injured for most of the year. Why wouldn't you give him another year? One thing you know for certain with Eddie is that he will attract the opposition's best small defender. You take Eddie out of that team, the opposition's best small defender is free to do whatever they want, free to run around and free to create off halfback. If Eddie Betts is in the team... They have to man him up because he's slippery still and he's capable of getting off the chain. And even in the last couple of weeks, he was lively against Adelaide, kicked a couple of behinds, albeit nine possessions. But again, this is part of, in my mind, this is part of the thinking with Eddie in 2020. And, and if he goes on to next year, is those days of 20 possessions and six goals, they're done for Eddie. But if you can get one or two a week out of him and he can lay a few tackles inside 50, his tackle numbers are good. He's had 39 for the season. I was really surprised to to read and hear some of the commentary in the last 24 hours that there's some doubt about whether Eddie Betts is in their best team or not, or whether they should keep a spot for him or whether they need to go in a different direction. To my mind, he is absolutely in their best 22 right now. And unless something drastic changes, they're not getting Tom Papley. That's already become clear. So they've missed out on that small forward option unless they're able to attract a star small forward from another club, he's absolutely in their best team for 2021. I'm surprised that it's taken this long to get the deal done, although I am understanding that things are taking a bit longer because of the, the question marks around the cap for next year and list sizes and all that sort of stuff. This is a no-brainer, in my view. Eddie Betts belongs in Carlton's best team next year. You don't guarantee him a game every week, but you certainly give him every opportunity. And until someone bangs the door down and keeps him out, oh, oh, he's just there next year in my mind. Damien's on the road. Damien, thanks for your call. G'day, Jack. Haven't spoke to you for a while. How you been, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for calling. No worries. Um, hope you're going well in this COVID situation. Hope you're handling it well. We're getting there, mate. We're getting there. We are all together in this. Um, Eddie Betts. Um, I believe he's in Carlton's best 22 because he's experienced Jack. He has so much experience. He does, and he can still win a game for them, I think, Damien. What, you're not a Carlton supporter. Uh, do you, I follow Hawthorne. Yeah, that's right. I so do you, do, you get a bit, do you get a bit nervy, though, when Eddie's around and, and the Hawks are playing against Carlton with Eddie Betts in the team? I do. I don't blame you. I definitely do. I think he's, he's just got something about him. I still think he's capable of creating. Damien, appreciate your call. Good luck to your Hawks in, uh, in their last game of the year as well. He's getting a fair bit of support off the text. Bob in Essendon says, from a Cats supporter, Eddie won the game against us, and he did. He was huge in that game. Two goals, and they came at important times. How many other match winners do the Blues have right now? End of argument. He's still a match winner, and he's a teacher for the next generation. I was interested to read in John Ralph's article today. It was a, a chat with his manager, Gary Winter, um, that Eddie wants to be... I'll read this verbatim, in fact. Betts wants to be judged on his football talent alone 
and not his capacity to deliver Indigenous programs with plans to transition into that field after his AFL career. He can still play that role and still be in that team. So for those who are not so sure, it's a good point that Bob in Essendon makes about the fact they just don't have that many match winners. Jack Martin's had a good year. Um, His body's failed him a couple of times, and he's been really important in a couple of their wins too. But... Um, he's getting more and more love the more I watch this text machine roll over. PK says uh, he's hit the wall, he's a year older, and he's slower next year, not in their interest, chaser forward like Bruce. Now, that part I do agree with, PK, that if they are able to secure someone like Bruce, then the conversation changes. You could have both, like the taco ad. Why not have both? You could have both. But if they are able to secure a, a really, really good small forward, then you have to think about it. But for now, they don't have that. And if they do get Luke Bruce or they do manage to drag another good small forward out of another club, then it's time to reconsider. But Eddie wants a contract now and he wants to know what it looks like now. And I don't blame him because the longer you wait, the more risk you are of there not being a contract. It's an interesting text. Argument posed about bets, the same applies to Simpson, but he was shown the door. I don't think, I'm not reading that the, reading it that Cade Simpson was shown the door. Um, Eddie's also a couple of years, a couple of years, I want to say two. I'm going to look that up to be certain. But Cade Simpson's a fraction older. Not much not much older, but a fraction older. I don't. Th- the way I'm reading it is that Cade Simpson wasn't shown the door. He, he decided that the time was now. Joe's in Roville. Joe, good evening. There you go, Jack. Nice to talk to you again. You too, you too. Yeah, I'm a Hawthorne man, and I, I, I'm talk, I want to talk about Eddie Betts, right? I, I think that um, they're going to do the same as what Hawthorne did with Piopolo last year. They sort of waited to the last minute. If anything else is available at the draft or the trade period, then I might give them another year. But yep. if they can't get anything better, maybe they'll, they'll – you know what I mean? Because I think Hawthorne were chasing Dan Butler last year, and that's why they refused to sign Poppy and give him another year. But when that, that deal sort of fell through and that never happened, I think that's why Poppy – Got the extra year, and as you see this year, I mean, he probably was past his years by date last year, but I don't know. That's just my opinion, and uh, I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I, I can see some similarities, and I see what you're saying, and good to hear from you too, Joe. Um, I can see what you're saying, and in the end, the Hawks got to a situation, as you say, where they'd had a crack at, at another couple of players that they wanted in the small forward role. They didn't get them. They kept Puopolo on the list, but they would have gone in with no promises to him, and they would have gone in with fairly low expectations, I reckon, too. They, they wouldn't have thought that they were getting the premiership years, Paul Puopolo. They would have known that they might have got eight to ten games, 12 games, and, and got a couple of good ones and a, and a few quiet ones along the way. The same can apply for the Blues here. You're spot on. And there's no reason why they can't keep him if they get no one else in that role. No promises, no guarantees. You've still got to make sure that you're earning your spot in the team every week. But you're not keeping anyone else for now. Chris from Carnegie says, as a Blues fan all my life, I can't believe the conversation regarding Eddie Betts. He probably has two more years at the top flight. Surely he's evasive. He has goal sense, goal craft. Come on. This is an absolute no-brainer. Chris, I share the same opinion as you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the phone. 0433981116 on the text. I reckon of the 50-odd texts we've got on this one, I reckon most are in favour of Eddie Betts being part of the Blues in 2021. Give him a contract. Even if you do manage to, let's say you do get Luke Bruce. Imagine a forward line with Mackay, Bruce, Betts and others. 
That's starting to look pretty dangerous. It's time on on SEN. See what that all looks like. I wonder whether there might be some late support for the Pies. There's been some support off the text for Collingwood tonight. We started the hour this evening by talking about them and based off what you saw last night and based off what you've seen in the last couple of weeks, are they a threat going into the finals? Off the text, 0433981116. Here's just a bit of a sample. The Pies are where they are. They are supposed to be finishing sixth and that makes the most sense. They should finish sixth. That's probably the way that it's going to pan out. If results go against them and they lose to Port Adelaide on Monday, then they could finish eighth, which would mean that they would probably play the West Coast Eagles week one in Perth. And that's not just for Collingwood, for anyone. That's going to be a really, really tough assignment. The Eagles have been scratchy away from Optus Stadium. One thing for certain is they've been a very, very good team when they played in the West. Jim from Mildura says, Jack, it feels like the pieces are forming... At the right time with the Pies, they will have a say in October. Don't you worry about that. We are coming for you, Richmond. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Simon says the Pies can easily kick 16 if they click. They need Stevenson in and firing, and they need to keep Greenwood and Varco in the team. I don't know what's going to happen with Jaden Stevenson. That's twice in a month now that he's been dropped. So something's up. He's obviously not doing something that Nathan Buckley and the coaching staff want him to do. The question is, is he in your best 22 for finals? Gee, it'd be hard pressed to think of a Collingwood team going into finals without someone like Jaden Stevenson. And agree on Greenwood. He's been really important since he's come back from a knee injury. And Travis Farco, I thought, was okay. Just don't know if he keeps his spot in the team when Tom Phillips comes back from a hamstring injury. Sporting Capital is up next. We're going to talk a lot of Olympics in the next couple of hours as well. It's 20 years to the day. This time 20 years ago, the opening ceremony would have been on. We'll talk about that next. If you were there, give me a call and tell me about your experiences. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.